Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Monday. It's June 12th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get things started with today's poll questions, and we'll start as it is a game day. Game five from Denver in the NBA Finals is tonight. So who do you have tonight, ATS? Denver minus nine or Miami plus nine? Denver minus nine continues to be out in front at 83% of the vote. Miami plus nine is trailing at 17% of the vote. I'm also seeing this here this morning that Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that uh, it is possible that Tyler Hero is going to suit up and be active for tonight's game. Yeah, the team has officially uh, apparently upgraded him now to questionable. Yesterday they declared him out, so I'm not sure what's up with that. Spolster really kind of just avoided the topic entirely yesterday at the press conference, and he's been pretty upfront about injuries, not just this year with Hero, uh, but in the past, and he's usually a guy that – hasn't uh, tried to you know mislead the media or you know just uh, he, like I said he's been pretty upfront about injuries for, for you know many years running now in my recollection uh, so he didn't even want to talk about it yesterday. We will answer this question around 11.30 today, and uh, we'll get into this Game 5 here momentarily. As for the Twitter poll question, you can uh, cast your vote over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Are the Suns' chances of contending next season gone if Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton do not return? No leading the way here at 59.1% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 40.9%. Yeah, obviously we've been hearing the Aiton stuff for a long time. Even, you know, obviously he went and signed the offer sheet and the Suns kept him. And there was obviously, you know, some erroneous trade information about the, his contract last year, which now turns out uh, we now know was completely bogus. And I'm not sure where it all started. But so we're beyond that because you know, it seems as if, at least this, assuming this information is accurate, that, uh, you know, his uh, current contract, uh, you know, there's no the no trade clause is dropped after we get to the uh, next NBA calendar year, which begins here at, by the end of this month. So we'll see what happens with that. The stuff with Chris Paul over the weekend just kind of accelerated because last week it was reported that the Suns were going to waive him, and then it was kind of reported, well, they might not waive him. Also, uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo reporting over the weekend about a possible Chris Paul for James Harden sign and trade deal, which uh, to me would be just a terrible idea for the Suns. You need another guy that needs the ball on this team. Uh, that would be Harden. You've already got uh, you know Durant and obviously Devin Booker. Uh, also talk over the weekend that the Knicks, Warriors, and Lakers uh, would be interested in Paul if you were waived. 
And then there was, once again, back to Jake Fisher from Yahoo. Reportedly, uh, he's interesting that the, the he's reporting that the Knicks, the excuse me, that the Suns are reportedly interested in in Emmanuel quickly and and, and Peyton Pritchard uh, in the free agent market. So, who knows? But that's just some of the things. Uh, those are all the things I saw out there. There's probably even more, but I wasn't exactly searching for this information. It just kind of fell into my lap all that stuff we'll answer that question today around 11 30 and of course we'll take your calls 10 30 and 11 15 today 602 260 1060 in addition to that today at some strategical point in the program it's a four pack of tickets to the diamondbacks and the guardians game for father's day on sunday june 18th uh first 15,000 people get a hawaiian shirt you can always go to dbacks.com dad for more tickets information in the game against the Guardians on Sunday, June 18th is 1.10 p.m. So we'll have a four-pack of tickets coming up here soon. Uh, it could all end tonight. And that's because it's a game five of the De- of the NBA Finals in Denver with the Nuggets on top three to one. I'm not sure what adjustments are left for Eric Spolstra to make. Uh, obviously, if the news with Tyler Hero is expected to suit up tonight, that would be an adjustment if you play him some minutes. Don't know how effective he'll be. It's been seven or so weeks since he last played. Uh, but for me, looking at this, if the Heat aren't knocking down their threes, sometimes even some very wide open looks for three, uh, they just aren't able to match up size-wise. And so I thought I'd take a look at just how effective the shooting was from key players for the Heat in that Boston series versus what has happened so far through four games in this Nuggets series. You have Max Struess. The struggles are very real. 16.1% from the floor, 19.2% from three. In the Boston series, 41.8% from the floor and 34.2% from three. Gabe Vincent, in this Nuggets series, 42.9% from the floor, 38.5% from three. In the Boston series, he was shooting 48.5% from the floor and 51.6% from three. Caleb Martin, we know how good he was in that Boston series. This series so far, there has been an illness that he was dealing with, so I think that certainly has impacted his numbers. 35.5% from the floor and 45.5% from three. In the Boston series, he was unreal. 60.2% from the floor and 48. 9% from three and Duncan Robinson. He's been pretty much the most consistent of this grouping of players so far in this Nuggets series, 54.2% from the floor, 44.4% from three in the Boston series, 55.6% from the floor and 48.4% from three. But obviously with Duncan Robinson as well, you do give up some defense. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he's been really good, though. I mean, uh, I think that uh, if you kind of have a most surprising player in the playoffs award, which I don't think exists, but if it did, I think uh, he'd be my guy. Um, not just producing points, but you know, it's not just making threes and shooting open threes for him. Uh, he's shockingly put the ball on the floor. And every time I see it, I go, you know, where did he learn that? But I've been watching it for a month now, so maybe I need to just forget that idea and say if he's just improved in that area, putting the ball on the floor and, and scoring or setting up or the other guys. He even had some assists, uh, which you know, usually he's just a catch-and-shoot guy. But uh, he's been good. Uh, throw all those numbers together, too, and kind of, uh, you know, just the cumulative effect of that. 
is that you know Miami has uh, scored under 100 points uh, you know, in all but one of these playoff games of this series so far. And of course, that's the one that they won at Denver. So I don't know if that uh, you know seemed like a very long time ago when they won that game at Denver. I don't know if that you know, gives them any momentum. That was a week ago last night, right? The game two, uh, but it seems like it was a long time ago. But um, you know, I don't think there's you know any momentum from that heading into tonight's game as they return to Denver. In addition to the threes and just the field goal percentage from some key players for Miami, I would also say that turnovers are adding up for the Heat. That included 14 turnovers in Game Four, but they really didn't have very many turnovers uh, in that Boston series. Yeah, I am not really – that's a stat I really haven't followed too closely. Uh, so I haven't really thought about too much of that. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll say that uh, the big one of the biggest advantages in the last couple of games certainly has been the fact that, you know, the Nuggets have had all these points off of turnovers. Um, you know, there's been times where – they haven't been dead ball turnovers. You know, they've you know, basically you know, led to continuous action – and then points at the other end. I know Spolstra, I think it's, uh, uh, I don't remember if it was after game, I think it was after game three, actually. But, you know, really he pointed out that it seemed like every time we turned the ball over, I'm paraphrasing, you know, the Nuggets went down and scored. And uh, they've actually had an enormous advantage in points off of turnovers for the last two games. Uh, so with all of this kind of coming together here, we know about the size advantage that the Nuggets have clearly over the Heat. But do you think that it kind of has been for the Heat here at this point that they have just kind of really had to play absolute perfect basketball? So maybe there's some fatigue sitting in at this point in time that they've maximized everything these entire playoffs to get here. And now it's just kind of catching up a bit. I don't really think fatigue's a factor. I just think that they're going against a team that's vastly superior. And before the series started, we mentioned uh, the two or three days that we had to preview the series because of the time off between, you know, for the Nuggets, the, the la- their last game in the in the Western Conference uh, Finals before the you know the the, you know, the seven game series in the Eastern Conference Finals. We, uh, we went through pretty much every matchup and talked about how they're going to have not just a length, adva- length advantage, but you know, just a physical stature advantage. And I think that, that is, I think they're just better. They're just a better team. I think it's just a really bad matchup for the Heat, which uh, that's kind of been my th- viewpoint for the majority of the series since before it started, in fact. You mentioned the Nuggets here. Uh, I think we have to certainly give a lot of credit to Aaron Gordon. Obviously, most of the attention goes to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, but Aaron Gordon, he's really been able to take advantage of his size mismatches with ease. When you look at his numbers, 66.7% from the floor and 71.4% from three, but he's only attempted seven threes all series long. His work is coming inside and very efficiently at doing it. Well, yeah, I know he had 27 points the other night, including 15 in the second quarter, and that was actually uh, the 27 is his career playoff high. But to me, his defense has just been spectacular. If there was a defensive player of the year or play, you know, defensive uh, you know, player of the playoffs uh, award for you know all the you know the cumulative playoff runs here, all these series, he would be easily the winner of that award. 
you know, the guys that he's had to cover and the difference in players that he's had to cover, you know, from the big guys in, uh, in, in Minnesota to obviously Durant, to LeBron, to Jimmy Butler. And, you know, he has done a tremendous job, not every game, uh, because those guys are really good scorers for the most part, and they're going to have some moments. But he's done a he's just done a spectacular job at the defensive end, and the fact that the the Nuggets have held them under 100 points in three games this series, they're they're winning with their defense. It's something I talked about with Matt Brooks from Nuggets.com in the last hour. Is you know they weren't a good team on the road during the regular season under 500. And now they won five consecutive road playoff games in the biggest reason, as Matt pointed out, uh, for that uh, you know, turn and that change of road success is because they've been so much better on defense. Uh, in game three, the Nuggets off the bench production came from Christian Brown. In game four, it came from Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's been fairly consistent these entire playoffs. Christian Brown getting more of a run here now in the NBA Finals after seeing some of his playoff minutes go away in previous series. Yeah, Bruce Brown was uh, tremendous in the second half the other night, actually 21 for the game, and really was, I thought, especially important in the fourth quarter. Uh, when Jokic picked up the fourth and fifth fouls in a matter of seconds, uh, the Nuggets only lost one point before Jokic returned to the game, and he sat on over five minutes uh, with that foul problem issue. And uh, you know, Brown had 11 points in that fourth quarter. He also you know, has brought the ball up and run the offense some when Murray's needed a little bit of a rest as far as that's concerned. So it's just his all-around play in the postseason but especially uh and kind of the i guess he have a if he had like a quote highlight tape uh then he might have to put, i don't think he's got to put one together he's gonna he's gonna be a free agent and it doesn't look like the nuggets are gonna have much of a chance to keep him because he's priced himself out of denver but yeah, if, if there was a highlight tape uh i guess if espn's doing a highlight tape of bruce brown uh promoting his free agency you know i think that uh, you should start with the second half of game four on Friday night in Miami. Is there a tendency in these type of games, uh, if you've witnessed it, that Miami basically has to throw everything they have, all the energy has to come to start, and so they come out firing on all cylinders, giving it everything they have. Denver, knowing that they can close it all out tonight, maybe is a little bit more nervous, a little bit more uh, tentative. Is that maybe a tendency we could see, or does that just really not matter for tonight? I don't think it matters. I think it mattered more the last two games when Miami was playing at home, especially coming off the victory in Denver. And, you know, if you win one out of those two home games, you think you're in okay shape going, you know, two and two and going back to Denver, even though you lost the home court advantage again. But, you know, to me, I think that if there was going to be one of those, you know, you know, rally the troops and come out and you know fire on all cylinders from the start. That's most likely to be at home. And that game will be tonight at 5:30 on ABC. We'll also answer today's KDOS1060.com poll question here. Uh, we have the ATS numbers as. 
plus nine for Miami, Denver minus nine. But we'll uh, obviously kind of dive into what we think will happen for tonight's contest. John Hollinger of The Athletic has his NBA's top 25 free agents. It's a combo of players value on a uh, possession basis and an estimate of minutes and dollar value, etc. We'll kind of go through the different tiers of free agents available and uh, dive into that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they are home uh, hosting the Guardians this weekend and it's a Father's Day Sunday. You can head on out to Chase Field. The first 15,000 dads to the Diamondbacks game against the Guardians on June 18th will receive a Father's Day Hawaiian shirt courtesy of Budweiser. You can secure your tickets now by visiting dbacks.com slash dad. It's a 1.10 p.m. start at Chase Field. We'll also have a four-pack of tickets a little bit later on in today's show. As we continue the segment, though, let's dive into John Hollinger of the Athletics NBA Top 25 free agents he uses a combination of a player's value on a per possession basis an estimate of minutes and a dollar value he puts them all into different tiers as well tier number one he calls the all-stars and number one for him is Kyrie Irving whether it be injuries or protesting he hasn't played more than 60 games in a season in the last four years he has averaged 27 points a game on 63.4 percent shooting in 20 games with the Mavericks since he was traded this season is the locker room potential issues worth it though 31 years old worth it many teams lack a lot of cap space in order to sign him Dallas and the Lakers would have to have some crazy gymnastics in order to make that whole thing work since uh, the Lakers seem to be the team that Kyrie so far has been most closely aligned with I just don't see the fit I mean yeah he uh, certainly had plenty to do with the with the uh, Cavaliers winning the championship no doubt about that but Seems like since then, um, is he actually? He's been to a, a handful of places. It seems like at this point, but have any of those teams maxed out with him? I don't think so. No, and I would say maxed out with him. Does he make others around him better? And is yeah. some of the locker room issues? creeping over onto the court and also just his availability as it's pointed out he's only played uh 60 games at least 60 games in a season in the last four years yeah i think the you know the locker room stuff i who knows what's going on in nba locker rooms i i certainly don't i don't think unless it's obvious and been well reported 
but you know, I think the the best point you just made there uh, is the fact that he make others better, and I don't think we've seen uh, substantial evidence that that has happened in his college career at Duke or in the NBA. Number two on the all-star list here is James Harden. He is 33. Uh, Shams Sharania, at least this was of last week, says that he's torn between Philadelphia, staying in Philly, or going to Houston. It's one year... You know, when we look at James Harden, where he's at currently at 33, I think it's fair to say that he is not the same James Harden that he was five years ago, maybe even three years ago. So if it's just one year left for James Harden to be as productive as he was this season, uh, is that worth it? Yeah, and I know he's productive during the regular season, but you know, he had a few moments in the playoffs, but he's got a horrible playoff history, even his uh, you know, peak and prime and et cetera. Uh, and you know, they had that sign-and-trade rumor out there over the weekend, him and Chris Paul. Uh, I would want – if I'm a Suns fan, I want no part of Harden. Uh, just uh, at this stage of his career, I don't know how good he is, and plus, they've already got two guys on the Suns, for instance, uh, to have to have the ball to, to some extent uh, and a, to a large extent to be effective. And obviously, uh, that would be a third person would need to have the ball. And I actually think that Harden needs the ball more than actually Booker and, and uh, Kevin Durant because you know, what does Harden do when he doesn't have the ball? He's not a good defender, and I just don't know what value he would have. So... I'm 0 for 2 on these first two picks of Hollinger's list. Number three, maybe we can get you here. Fred Van Vliet, 29. Uh, since he only has seven years' experience, his max would be $40.2 million. So that's maybe at least a little bit on the quote-unquote cheaper side. And Fred Van Vliet was obviously a name that was linked to the Suns at the trade deadline this past season. Yeah, I've never had the highest opinion of Fred. Uh, I think he's a good uh, player. I think he's a good uh, – a complimentary player is probably too much of a knock because he's better than that. But I don't know if he's a player – certainly not a player to build a franchise around. And I don't even know if he's really a top one or two player on a championship team. I know he's on a championship team, but – yeah, it was Kawhi Leonard and you know, lots of length in Toronto around Kawhi Leonard. And uh, even their perimeter guys had length. So I uh, think that uh, I think I'm 0 for 3 at this point. And uh, this uh, free agent list not doing too much for me, quite frankly. Uh, well, this one probably is really not going to do anything for you. Number four, Kristaps Porzingis, 27 uh. years old. He can opt in for $36 million or opt in and try to get a four-year extension for $209 million. Anyone who does that, I have to, I guess you're just trying to hit your numbers, right? If there's a floor, yeah, and you have to hit it. I've never understood the Przingis thing. I uh, sat at the Summer League several years ago now with my best friend from Las Vegas who's a Knicks fan. And uh, we watched him participate in the summer league, and he was against it. At that point, I was a little more, you know, I was intrigued at least at that point. But 
I just haven't seen anything in his NBA career over a you know a decent amount of time that has really changed my mind. Other than why would you pay this guy? Uh, now we've moved into tier two, which is high end role players. So that starts off with Miles Bridges at twenty five. Uh, Hollinger though says that anything involving Bridges has to play into account yeah. for his off season domestic violence incident. He'll be missing some significant time. Uh, he is a restricted free agent, so Charlotte can always match any offer if they want to. Good luck. I'm done with Miles Bridges. I think that's fair. Six, uh, Josh Hart, 28, likely opts out, and New York brings him back in the $20 million range. Do you think Josh Hart showed enough when he got to New York this year? Now, this is a guy I actually have been a big fan of since his Villanova days. And, yeah, I think definitely, you know, Knicks, remember the Knicks? Seems like it was a, you know, a long time ago, almost uh, more than like a season ago, but. They had a really good end of the regular season this year, and uh, part of that was after they acquired him in the trade. And uh, I think that he's definitely a good piece on a good team. Now, whether the Knicks are quote a good team or not uh, might be a good uh, you know reason for debate and uh, long re- might even be a long debate. But I actually have always liked his game, and I think he's certainly somebody that can be a uh, a winning NBA player on a good team. Uh, then we have D'Angelo Russell, 27. Uh, <laughs> I knew oh, this was going to get you. Uh, 54.8% from two range this year, 39.6% from three, which was a career best for D'Angelo Russell. His contract offers sign and trade possibilities, but I know what's coming here. Well, I mean, you know, I guess this is the last time until the next time that I can mention he's the most selfish player in the history of the Ohio State University sports. Any sport, at least football or basketball, uh, there was uh, much rejoicing within the Ohio State community when he left early for the NBA after one year. And a, uh, you know, a selfish and uh, underachieving team season at Ohio State. However, throw all that aside, throw all that aside you know, the Lakers are, you know, they gave up on him once. Now they're giving up on him again. And remember, by the end of the Denver series, which was like a couple weeks ago, he was pretty much relegated to the bench because he didn't make shots. And he is a horrendous defensive player. Chris Middleton, 31 player option for $40.4 million. Uh, Hollinger says that maybe the Bucks can uh, figure out something to do with him for him to opt out and then work out a longer ter- term deal for less dollars to open up some space to be able to re-sign Brooke Lopez. He also is coming off of another knee procedure. Right. I mean, that's the whole deal with Middleton. If he and I, I'm sure he'd be higher on this list if he didn't have the knee situation. Um, um, you know, I'm not you know, really wasn't not much aware of his contract situation. Uh, so, you know, the Bucks have got I know the one thing for sure. They've got to do some you know, financial juggling uh, with their cap. Uh, you, know, you know, you know, the guys that they still have and you know, the Lopez thing that you just brought up. So there's going to be some work. They got to do some work there. But uh, he's a really good player if he's healthy, unfortunately, for the most part. He's had you know, some kind of ailment for two years running now, it seems like, all the time. 
And number nine, Cam Johnson, 27, should have multiple suitors and teams may attempt to run up the price on the Nets, according to Hollinger. Yeah, we saw plenty of Cam Johnson here. Uh, Obviously, we were fans of Cam. At least I was a fan of Cam Johnson. Um, He had the the injury last year that slowed him down a little bit for the Suns. But when he's able to play, which has been most of the time, uh, he's a guy that we all loved in Carolina because he could shoot. That's pretty much all we saw him to do at Carolina. And whether that was a – I think that was maybe more of a Roy Williams problem now looking back than it was a Cam Johnson problem because we've seen Cam Johnson you know, play both ends of the floor. Well, certainly still a better offensive player than a defender, but we thought he was just kind of a, you know, a, you know, a no – show defensively when he was at Carolina uh but yeah, he's a I think he's a I think he's a good all-around player and I, I I could certainly understand uh the vast interest in him and free agency and the last one that we'll go through here so we'll go through 10 players you can read John Hollinger's story to get the rest of the 25 list here uh Jakob Pertle at 27 he's a great rim <laughs> protector uh but gets burned on switches often he has a good uh pass screen and floater game but he misses free throws often so he can't be in the game late uh in Also, in addition to this here, he doesn't shoot the three. So when it comes to kind of how this this role has been expanded on the court, does that carry as much value because he can't extend his game to be on the arc? I've always been a fan of Pirtle, not just because I like to say Jakob Pirtle, uh, which I've made jokes about in the past, but even in his Utah days in college and San Antonio, and now unfortunately for him, or maybe fortunately, I don't know what it is, uh, maybe he likes to travel to the, the uh, North America, uh, you, know, you know, the area of North America and many NBA teams here in his brief career, but I would certainly think that a contending team that needs a big guy that isn't going to be like your number one big guy, but going to play you know, substantial minutes, I would think that he would play, have a place on your roster. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll take your calls now. Talk to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. Whether it's Nuggets and Heat tonight, Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, NBA, and what the Suns need to do in the offseason here. If you want to go around the NFL, the Cardinals as well are starting their uh, mandatory minicamp portion of activities this week. By all accounts, Buda Baker was seen. As he said he was going to be, when I need to show up, I'll show up, is what he told uh, 12 News' Cam Cox, and that's at least the report I saw earlier from Ian Rappaport that he is there. He's in the building today. He is there in the building. Uh, 602-260-1060, that's the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll have some NFL discussion on the other side of the break as well. It is the Extra Point on this Monday, June 12th. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060.
Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is phone call time, 602-260-1060, and we have some full phones. We'll start with Vince in Phoenix. Vince, what's on your mind today? Yeah, anyway, uh, yesterday I turned on and I thought I'd watch the Diamondbacks, but it was on Peacock. And... um, I don't get Peacock, so I wasn't able to watch it. And uh, so I switched over to radio and tried to listen to their radio crew. I I thought Tom Candiotti was a color announcer, but I wasn't sure who their lead announcer was. And it was not too strong. Of I listened to it a couple of innings. Uh, do you have any idea who those... Who is doing that? I believe it's Chris Garagiola, but I haven't listened to any this year either. I'm not in a car. I don't have a car anymore. <laughs> so, um, actually, I do have a car, but I'm not driving after the stroke. So, yeah, uh, that's it's about the only time I listen to. You know, I'm watching on television. Um, but uh, yeah, is so that Joe's son? About, yeah, um, yes, I believe it is. Joe, I mean, Joe, yeah. the Joe, the old time Joe, former. Former general manager Joe. Oh, I, that, I assume he might be the I, grandson of Joe. That would be true. As, yeah. as far as I know, I, I'm just kind of throwing it against the wall here. I'm assuming that's okay. it. Uh, so I'm and, not 100 percent sure. Uh, speaking also of pitching, uh, I saw somewhere where they mentioned the name of Stroman of the Cubs as being right. a potential good starting pitcher for the Diamondbacks, would they have to give up too much to get him? Or is he that's, worth it? That's a good question. He actually wants to stay with the Cubs. I mean, he's had – he's been on several teams over the last few years, and it hasn't ended particularly well in uh, his stops. Um, whether – I'm not sure what you – know, he, he's somebody who has a very strong opinion on a lot of things, and he's certainly uh, – upset some of the uh let's how can we phrase this upset some of his opponents um with his you know antics or actions so we'll see really? uh yeah he wants to stay but uh there was a report over the weekend which i actually think it was a tweet from stroman that said that the cubs are not uh, you know they're not interested in talking contract extension so yeah. if they're not going to keep him they need to trade him uh, I'm not sure how much they could get for him. Uh, he's a really he's had a tremendous season so far this year. I also think he's in a really good spot. Uh, I think he would be a good spot here too because he's a ground ball pitcher. He's on a really good defensive team right now, as far as I, especially infield defense, up the middle defense, and uh, the Diamondbacks uh, certainly are. I think the biggest thing that a lot of people have not discussed, certainly nationally is that their defense is so much better than it was a couple of years ago and even from last year. And, you know, if you have pitchers that can throw strikes, the, the swing and miss thing is even – it's less important if you've got guys and, uh, you know, basically if you've got you know, defenders who can make the routine plays and, and more than occasionally the non-routine play. Yeah, especially the shortstop and third baseman. Yeah, third base is interesting because it depends on who they have at third base, and they've used three guys at third base. But, you know, shortstop Perdomo has been really good, uh, much better offensively than he was last year. Yeah. And Nick Ahmed, 
is a very good defender. Uh, he got off to a good start offense, offensively this year, but he hasn't hit much since. He did hit a home run over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and Marte has been much better defensively at second base this year, and Christian Walker is a gold glove, legitimate gold glove first baseman. Yes, absolutely. And do you, will you be watching much of the College World Series? Uh, highly unlikely. Okay. Uh, in fact, I don't know if I'll watch any of it. Um, you know, I used to watch a ton of college baseball, especially when ASU was good, and I was trying to pay attention to the other teams, too, that they might be playing. Uh, but you know, I, I would be, uh, it would be high, you know, like I said, it, it, no, I'm not, unless something just kind of stumbles. And if there's nothing else on television, uh, that might be a choice, but probably not. I did watch the LSU pitcher at re- by request. Uh, the guy that's supposed to be the first pick of the draft, according to some. And while he throws hard, at least the game that I watched, he had zero command. And I felt really sorry for his catcher because wherever that dude set up his target, the pitch was nowhere near the target. Yeah. So there aren't college players that are going to have an impact in Major League Baseball uh, Oh, I'm sure there are. I just don't know who they are, and my apologies, but I just don't follow that. When they get closer to the major leagues or, you know, we have an idea of how good they're going to be, then I'll know about them. But I, I'm not, I've got too many things going on that are far more important right now than college baseball. Thanks for the call, Vince. We'll continue with the phones here, 602-260-1060. One quick thing, uh, Chris in Phoenix did tweet in that the color announcer for Sunday's game was Tuffy Gosowich. 602-260-1060. Oh, former ASU player. Uh, Monroe in Glendale, what's on your mind today? Yeah, um... I got a couple of thoughts here real quick. I uh, I think we all knew Denver was a better team when it started. Uh, so, and I think we, what we're seeing is that that's just playing out. and um, That's just the way it is. I, I haven't felt this way, Bob, since Milwaukee beat the Bullets in like 71 or something. Like, <laughs> I love that okay. Bullets too. Earl of Pearl and those guys, but they just were overmatched. And I think the same thing applies here. Denver was just a better team. Um, yeah, they are. I would actually, uh, not to give away the answer in a, you know another hour or so, but uh, I would be surprised if we had a uh, certainly just you know historically, if you just want to take a look, you know, take a look at the teams that have been up three-one. Only one has ever lost in the finals up three-one. And I would be really surprised if the Nuggets lost tonight. Let's put it that way for now. Yeah. Uh, now, Kayla went through the list of free agents, and I, I was cutting in and out. My phone was cutting in and buffering. And I, I, you know, we, we, these lists are, I think it's fair to say they're subjective. Um, I, I don't know how anybody could put. Chris Middleton as a second-tier player, in my opinion. And I I would certainly take him over James Harden or even Kyrie Irving simply because, in James Harden's case, as you as you well stated, the, if he doesn't have the ball, he doesn't really tend to contribute much. And I'm not really looking at James Harden's body of work. I'm just looking at James Harden right now. Uh, and Kyrie Irving is a great example of, the greatest ability is availability. <laughs> so if you're not available, I don't really care how good you are. 
And so I would put Chris Middleton in a first tier if those two guys are in a first tier. Totally agree. I would have Middleton ahead of both those guys, and I don't even care if Kyrie is available. I just would. I don't want any part of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a guy you mentioned. Uh, you said that he priced himself out of Denver, but it cut out on me. I didn't know who you were referring to. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Oh, he's been around a couple of teams. I think it was in he Memphis, has. wasn't he? So well, would, yeah, I remember he was in New Jersey you know, with Brooklyn. I keep saying New Jersey. I should be way beyond that because they've been in Brooklyn for a few years. Uh, but he was obviously in Brooklyn, and I thought he was you know, he was a really good player there the last year. But he's improved his offense, his shooting. You know, he's been running a lot of point guard for the Nuggets. Uh, with Murray does not have the ball, uh, it's often you know go, the, the offense doesn't necessarily go through. Uh, Bruce Brown, because you know, eventually it goes through Jokic, but you know the the quote point guard, if Murray's not on the floor, is often Bruce Brown. Yeah, he he he's sort of like a utility kind of guy, right? He can do whatever you need him to do. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. really understand how it is that maybe he's just choosing to move on, but it seems like somebody ought to be willing to pay him to stick him, keep him, keep him around. That's true. Well, you know they're gonna—they've got some long-term salary cap situations that they've got to think over. You know whether it's you know you know the you know, Jokic or Murray or Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I would assume all those guys are ahead of Bruce Brown on their priority list. Yeah. As always, thanks for the time. As always, thank you for calling 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll have more phone call time around 1115 today. Uh, J.J. Watt, he's going into the Texans ring of honor. And how convenient of them to help out his parents so everyone can just be in one location. It's going to be October 1st when the Texans host T.J. Watt and the Steelers. So good for uh, J.J. Watt there going into the Texans' ring of honor. We wrap up the our— other, The other the other brother's on the Steelers, too. Last yeah, year, Derek he? Watt, the fullback, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. I think so. Sounds right. Why does he have a—why is he known by initials? I'm sure there's a reason for this, and now you're going to make me Google it, aren't you? Your morning drive— just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Number one of Extra Point on this Monday, June 12th, right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Just wrapping up a couple of thoughts here on Derek Watt for you, Bob. Uh, So he actually was asked about this because his middle name is John, so he could be DJ if he wanted to be. Uh, This is coming from uh, the fan in Pittsburgh. He was asked about it. Quote, when I was young, that was obviously a show that we watched. DJ Tanner, uh, DW from Arthur, was another one, and I decided that I wasn't an abbreviation guy. I was just Derek. Uh, DJ Tanner was from Full House. So uh, <laughs> I don't know any of these people. Okay. Well, uh, D- DJ Tanner was the oldest daughter of Danny Tanner uh, on Full House, so he decided that he I was... I don't know him either. Okay. So I don't know any of that. Okay. 
And okay. The next part about Derek Watt here is he's actually uh, an unrestricted free agent, so he's not actually signed back oh. with the Steelers yet. Ooh. So there we what go. What are they waiting for? There you go. <laughs> So got to do the, the family reunion thing. Exactly. They better get on it. Uh, so kind of putting a bow on last week's RBC Canadian Open. And uh, it was awesome to see the finish that the tournament had considering the start to the week uh, with the live announcements and the, the PGA Tour announcement breaking on Tuesday. RBC didn't ask for any of that. So for things to get back to the golf on Sunday was really cool. It ended up being being a four-hole playoff between Canada's Nick Taylor and England's Tommy Fleetwood. Nick is now a three-time PGA Tour winner. Tommy, of course, might have the the designation as being the best PGA Tour player without a PGA Tour win. He's kind of always right there in some major championships and been runner-up several times. But Nick drained a 72-foot putt for Eagle on the fourth playoff hole, which is the longest putt made on the final hole to win by one or in a playoff. And he also became the first Canadian to win this event since 1954. So Canadians everywhere are rejoicing and really happy about this victory. And as I'm uh, looking right up now, I'm watching the putt on SportsCenter uh, for its top plays. A 72-foot eagle putt is unbelievable. But Nick Taylor, he was an incredible amateur golfer. He was ranked world number one for several weeks. And now at 35 years old, he has three wins and sits in sixth place this year in the FedEx Cup. The attention for golf turns to the third major of the year it's the u.s open coming to you from la country club it's the first time that a u.s open has been conducted at la country club 7421 yards par 70 a potential brute on our hands uh wider fairways than normal some par threes are going to be crazy like a 290 yard par three get out of here with that uh, but we'll be at Putting World in Scottsdale on Wednesday in getting us ready for Father's Day, getting us ready for the U.S. Open. So come and visit us at Putting World, which is located in Scottsdale, 16259 North Scottsdale Road. And you can visit them at puttingworld.com for more details. But we'll be there broadcasting on Wednesday. Hour number two is next.